update. Uh, hopefully you get that every Friday. Uh, an email goes out with just some news and some updates. If you don't get that, please just go to the website. There's a connect with us button at the website, greenbelt.church. And please get that because there's always a lot of great information of different things that are going on. Uh, one of the things that we're highlighting is you may not be aware of this, but uh, Greenbelt Church is uh, we're part of something called the Ottawa Compassion Collective. And so this is a relationship that we have with not, there's nine churches here in the city that have partnered with Compassion Canada. And we kicked this off like right before COVID happened. So way back in, I think it was October 2019, uh, my daughter and I, we went to Peru to see the Compassion Centers and the work that's being done there. And then we started sponsoring a number of children in Guatemala as a church. I think we've just, as our church, I think we've, we're sponsoring like 25 kids in Guatemala right now, just our church. And in this relationship that we have with the nine other churches, we're just able to like pool our resources and people and our finances together. And we have a number of projects that we're working on with them. And one of the big ones that we're doing with them is um, really providing care and needs for moms and babies in Guatemala. So I really encourage you to check out that email. And uh, maybe that's something that you might want to be a part of as well and partner with us as a church as we just uh, just bless you know, you know, the larger Christian community around the world. And I'm looking forward to when uh, those uh, missions trips start opening up again, because uh, we're really hoping that we as a family can get to Guatemala and see the kids and meet the kids that we're sponsoring. So we're really excited just about all that God is doing through that. So thank you for your prayers and your support with that ministry there. And so today, whew, we're finally at the end of the book of Revelation. How many of you, show of hands, you found this series a little challenging? Oh yeah, hands go up way high on this one. It's okay. You don't have to be embarrassed, you know, like that this was hard. Revelation is a challenging, challenging letter, especially when you read it as kind of this future crystal ball that it's all about the future, and, and one day, something's going to happen. And, it, and it's kind of like a surprise, because we don't fully understand the book of Revelation when we just kind of read it. And so we just assume it's this future thing, and we just kind of hope for some kind of really cool surprise. Now, maybe kind of show hands again. How many of you actually like surprises? See, a few hands. See, I've come to realize most people don't. They like life to be organized. I like to know what's happening. I like to know what's going on. You know, and, and the whole idea of like a surprise that's out of my control, some people are just like, I'm not too sure I like that. You know, how many of you have ever had a surprise party thrown for you? Any hands go up? Did you like that? Did that work for you? Some people are like, yes. Some people are like, no, because I showed up in my pajamas and I wasn't expecting this and I didn't have my makeup on. Not me, but you. Um, you know, and, and all these people were in my home and I was just really just wanted to have like a glass of wine and watch TV by myself, and have a pity party about how old I am. Right. Well, I remember when I turned 40, 
I was still fairly new here at the church, and you guys threw me a surprise birthday party when I turned 40. And it was, and I honestly, I was kind of in shock um, about it. And one of the things I was in shock about it is a lot of our members and a lot of our leaders here at Greenbelt were in superhero costumes. Okay, for that surprise party, because they heard, again, I was still fairly new here. They knew I like Marvel movies and comic books, and so they wanted me to feel welcome. So I've got pictures of you, our leaders, in superhero costumes, and I've saved those, because one day they will come back out, like, oh, I don't know, maybe for the church's 50th anniversary slideshow or something like that. But see, surprises have a funny way of either we like them or we don't like them. They're good or they're bad. And when we treat the book of Revelation like it's just simply some future surprise, we forget that it's the goal of it is actually to encourage you in your faith journey today. It's not just simply some future thing. It's not future Kevin's problem. It's encouragement and it's a discipleship manual for Kevin, for you, for Greenbelt, for the entire church. It's a, it's a discipleship manual for us today. So that's been kind of the approach that I've been trying to take as we've gone through this, is just to build us up, to encourage our daily faith walk with Jesus as we wait for this future second coming of Jesus. See, as the church, we are living in this incredible moment where we live in the fullness and the completeness of the kingdom of God, but not yet. Is that the kingdom of God is fully here, but not yet. And it's one of these mysteries of the teachings of the Bible of like, how can the kingdom of God be fully here? But not yet. It's one of those great mysteries. And so this is what I want us to unpack together today as we read the very last chapter in the book of Revelation. So I'm going to read from Revelations chapter 22. If you have a Bible, you can follow along with you. If you have a paper Bible, this is now officially the easiest passage in your Bible to find. Well, maybe the second easiest. The first would be Genesis chapter 1. It's right at the beginning, but you've got to go through the table of contents first. So it's, it could be a little tricky to find it. This is Revelation chapter 20. You go to the very last page of your Bible. So easy to find. The very last page. Now, maybe you've got like, you know, a concordance or something in the back of yours. But here in my preaching Bible, it is literally the last page. Revelations chapter 22. This is what I want us to read and look at today. I'm going to read the whole chapter just to encourage us at the end of this sermon series. Chapter 22, starting at verse 1, it says, Then the angel showed me, so showing the Apostle John, showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city. This is the city that Pastor Matt preached about last week, this new Jerusalem that has come down to earth. On each side of the river, there stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. There will be no need for the lamp, for, uh, there will be no need 
Sorry, they will not need the light of the lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. And then the angel said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God who inspires the prophets, sent his angel to show his servant the things that must soon take place. Look, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy written in this scroll. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I had heard and seen them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. But he said to me, don't do that. I am a fellow servant with you and with your fellow prophets and with all who kept the words of this scroll. Worship God. And then he told me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this scroll because the time is near. Let the one who does wrong continue to do wrong let the vile person continue to be vile let the one who does right continue to do right and let the holy person continue to be holy look i am coming soon my reward is with me and i will give to each person according to what they have done i am the alpha and the omega the first and the last the beginning and the end Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the rights to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the adulterers, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. And the spirit and the bride said, come and let the one who hears say, come and let the one who is thirsty come and let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this scroll. If anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in this scroll. If anyone takes away words from this scroll of prophecy, God will take away from that person any share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which is described in this scroll. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come Lord Jesus, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. I think just with Revelations chapter 22, I could easily do a six-part sermon series just from everything that is being declared about who God is, what God is accomplishing, what God wants to accomplish in each and every one of our lives as his bride as his church. But I want to, since I was sick this week and I couldn't, I tried, I really tried reading all of my 10 books that I've been reading to put this sermon series together, but I still had that COVID fog. And so I'd read and I'd fall asleep. Not because the books weren't interesting, it's because I was just tired a lot <laughs> over the last 10 days. So uh, so really the outline that I'm using today is kind of coming from one book. It's coming from the uh, Edge of Disci- uh, Discipleship on the Edge book. And so I, I took the structure from that uh, last chapter in the book. Because what I want us to focus on is the tension that we find ourselves living in with the words of this book that say the time is near. I think if there's any little Christian catchphrase or if there's any little buzzwords in our Bible that create 
tension for us as Christians is the concept that the return of Jesus is near. Like the book of Revelation actually starts with that phrase of the time is near. Way back in Revelation chapter 1 verse 3, we read these words where it says, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear it and take heart what is written in it. So blessed, we've been reading this out loud together, so hopefully God has been blessing us. You have been hearing this being read out loud, so hopefully God has been blessing you. And hopefully you've been taking heart of what it says, because this is what it continues in verse 3. It says, because the time is near. And now it finishes. So let's start Revelations chapter 1, that the time of Jesus' return is near. And then it ends here in Revelations chapter 22, verse 10, where it says, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this scroll, because the time is near. The time of Jesus' return is near. And so the big idea that I want us to unpack together today is this, is let's not be so focused on the fact that the time is near. Let's, as the church, be far more concerned that Jesus is near now. Jesus is near now. Right? The teaching of the New Testament is not simply a teaching of let's look forward to some kind of surprise that's going to blow our minds away in the future. The teaching of the apostles and the teaching of Jesus himself is that the full kingdom of God is near. That the kingdom of God is now, not just some surprise for the future. Like we see this again and again and again, that the entire New Testament is packed with the idea that the time is near. Did we read this in Romans chapter 13, verses 11 and 12? It says, and do this, understand, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. This is what the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Rome. Book of Romans, probably one of the deepest, richest theological books we have in the New Testament. And he declares is that this day is almost here. The day is near. Right? Peter one of the close disciples of Jesus, the one who denied Jesus when Jesus was arrested, the one when Jesus resurrected from the dead, Jesus declared that, Peter, you are, going, you are the rock, and on your testimony, I'm going to build the church. And then Jesus, uh, not Jesus, Peter, empowered by the Holy Spirit, goes out into the city, preaches his first sermon, and thousands of people, thousands put their faith in Jesus to save them from their sins. And so Peter t taught and believed. He said this in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7. He said, the end of all things is near. It's near. The Apostle John, who wrote the book of Revelation, who's known as the disciple that Jesus loved, 
that he had this special relationship with Jesus. When Jesus was hanging on the cross dying, he looked at his mother Mary and he looked at his friend John and he said, Mother, here is your son. Son, here is your mother. Creating this bond between them that John would take care of Jesus' mother after his death. This special close relationship of walking with Jesus that John experienced. And John writes in one of his other letters in 1 John chapter 2, 17 and 18. He said, the world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Dear children, this is the last hour. In other words, the time is near. This is the teaching of the apostles and the friends and the people closest to Jesus. And where did they learn this from? Where did they get this from? Well, they got this directly from Jesus himself. And we see this again and again and again in the teachings of Jesus, of him declaring that the time is near. The time is near. Jesus said these words in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. It says, so after John the Baptist was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. And Jesus says these words. He says, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. You see, and the challenge of the church, the challenge of our lives is this teaching that the coming of Jesus is soon, that the time is near. I mean, Jesus declared these words. Jesus talked about his second coming when there would be wars and rumors of wars and there'd be false messiahs and false prophets and all of these things at play in the world. He said, all of this stuff is coming soon. It's soon. And so he made though he declared those words that it's soon in about 33 AD. It was a long time ago. We're pushing nearly 2000 years. And then the apostle John, he's in exile when he writes the book of Revelation, probably written somewhere around 90 AD. He's this old man exiled on this island who believes that the time is coming soon. 33 AD, 90 AD, now here we are in 2022 AD. How many of us walk around living our lives like the time is coming soon? Probably not many of us. Because it really doesn't feel all that soon, does it? See, I remember when I became a Christian. I became a Christian in 1998. And as I've shared in this sermon series before, I became a Christian directly because of the book of Revelation. See, because when I heard the messaging and the teaching of this book, and I heard people talking about a rapture and the coming of an antichrist and all of these future things, one, the science fiction nerd in me thought that was really cool. I mean, the idea of one world government, one world religion, one world conspiracies, one world currencies, and all of this stuff. Again, a sci-fi nut, that stuff's just cool. It just makes a really cool movie if it's done well. Okay. And, and so I was really into this, but I, I thought it was hogwash. So I started to study this for myself and started to read the Bible for the very first time on my own. Instead of just letting someone else tell me what it says, I read it for myself. 
This is why I always tell you, don't take my word for it. Read it. (laughs) Read it. Read it. God makes his word clear. God's word is understandable. There's no secret code in it that you can't understand. (laughs) And if you've got questions about the Bible, keep reading it and keep studying it because the Bible always answers its own questions. (laughs) Don't take my word for it. Read it for yourself. Don't take TV or Hollywood's word for it. Read it for yourself. And so that's what I did. And so I became hugely obsessed that Jesus is coming soon. Because as I read it, Again and again and again, it was all over my Bible that Jesus was coming soon. So I became that guy. And you might know what I mean by that guy. I became that guy that my family were like, oh, do we really have to invite Kevin to this birthday party? Because Kevin's going to talk about Jesus. And Kevin's going to like, you know, when I go to like a kegger with all my friends in Montreal. Yes, I used to still go to keggers as a Christian. Okay, that's sermon for another time. Okay. But I hang out with all my, my, my drunk Montreal friends and like, ah, oh, do we really want Kevin at this? Cause he's going to keep talking about Jesus. We just want to get wasted. I don't know if we want to hear about Jesus. Okay. Or we just want to party. Or we just want to geek out. We just want to play our sports. We just want to do our thing. We just want to do our job. I don't want to hear about Jesus. I became that guy. Because I believed to the core of my convictions that Jesus was coming soon. And then I started studying church history. And then I realized, oh, I'm not that guy alone. Because in every single generation in church history, every generation of Christians have believed that Jesus was going to return in their lifetime. All of us. For 2,000 years, there isn't a generation of the church that didn't believe that it's there the last. Jesus is coming in our lifetime. We've all felt it. We've all believed it. And then we've all been discouraged when it didn't happen. So this isn't a message to discourage us that Jesus is. (laughs) that it's not really soon. What it is, is we have to figure out what does this mean by the time is near? What does it truly mean that it is soon? What does this mean? So I want to talk about three different things about how the time is near. Three different things that we see from Revelations chapter 22, and ultimately that we see from the entirety of the New Testament about the return of Jesus. Because remember, when we started this series off way back 16 weeks ago, we talked about what is being revealed. When we say revelation, it's talking about the unveiling of something. Something is being revealed. Now, you can either think what's being revealed is the prophecy of Jesus Christ, that it's the prophets, these future things that are being revealed. But I would argue from the text, from the Greek, from the way this is written, and even from church history, that actually what is being revealed, what is being unveiled is Jesus Christ himself. Is that for 2000 years, more and more and more and more and more of Jesus is being revealed, is being unveiled to the world. 
And we see this play out in the New Testament and in church history. So three things about the time being near. I encourage you to write these things down. I know everybody's life group. You're all on break now for the summer, but you can still study the Word of God on your own you know, at home. Hopefully you still do that as well. <laughs> I encourage you to write these things down. So the first thing is this is the things, you know, three things about the time being near. The first is this, is what is, what is this time is? It's like, it's, well, Jesus, uh, the time that is near, it's for Jesus to be known by all the world. This time that is near, what is, what is near? It's for Jesus to be known to all the world. You see, this is God's plan. This is God's desire, is for Jesus to be known. <laughs> to not just be this guy who lived in this little town 2,000 years ago with no internet, with, with no Facebook, with no TikTok videos, you know, and just kind of just live his life and then be forgotten. See, the mission of God is that Jesus would be known by the entire world. I was actually joking around with my uh, executive assistant, Elise, this week, and I, and, and I think we figured out the age difference between us, and it became really, really apparent because we were on a call this week, and, and it might have been because I was still heavily medicated or something like this, but I started singing songs in our meeting from the, from the, the Broadway play, Jesus Christ Superstar. And I was singing the words of this song. I was singing the songs of Mary Magdalene washing the feet of Jesus. If you've never seen the play, and said, try not to get worried. Try not to turn on to problems that upset you. Oh, don't you know everything's all right? Okay, none of you know it. Okay, rent it. It's really cool. Okay. Anyways, I'm singing this song, and Elisa's like, what are you singing? And I'm like, this is from Jesus Christ Superstar. She's like, I've never seen this. Like, How have you never seen this? Right. But there's one of the songs, the big theme song at the end of that play was Judas singing about Jesus. Why did you choose such a backwater time to reveal yourself to the world? If you would have shown up today, everyone would know because someone would have caught it on their cell phone and they would have put it on TikTok and it would have been this live TikTok event. And we'd all believe that and we'd not believe what we're watching on mainstream news because TikTok is always right and the TV is always lying, right? And we'd have this big fight and debate over that, right? Why did you choose such a backward time to come? Well, because that was God's plan. And that Jesus is going to be known by the entire world is God's plan. So from that little tiny movement that started in Galilee, it has become a movement that has spread throughout the entire world. And to this day, today, 2,000 years later, there are still parts of this world that have never heard the name of Jesus. Never. Ever. And Jesus' plan, God's plan in the fact that the time is near, is for Jesus to be known by the whole world. Look at these words here in Revelation, uh, sorry, in Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 and 11. Very famous passage that we all know. It says, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus made known to the entire world 
at the beginning of Revelation, Revelation chapter 1, verse 7. This is the, the words that we read here. It says, look, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all people on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. See, so there's this future coming of Jesus returning that the entire world will see. But while we wait for that second coming, Jesus is being revealed all over the world. That's why I'm always amazed when I hear stories of missionaries and I hear stories of, you know, organizations that have like plans of translating the Bible into languages that the Bible has never been translated into. It's so that Jesus would be made known to everybody, every language, every tribe, every tongue will one day know the name of Jesus. And that time is nearer today than it was in 90 AD. That time is even nearer today than it was in 1998 when I first heard about Jesus. It's nearer today. It's being revealed and unpacked more and more that Jesus is, gonna, is being known by the entire world. Second thing that we see as Jesus is being unveiled and as the time is near the time is near for Jesus to finally have his way. Again, in Revelations chapter 22, we read these words. These are the words of Jesus himself, that I am the Alpha and the Omega. Those are the letters in your Greek alphabet, the beginning of the Greek alphabet and the ending, Alpha and the Omega, the A to Z. I am the everything. I am the completeness of all things. I am the first. I am the last. I am the beginning. I am the end. See, when Jesus, before, when he returned to heaven, he told his followers that all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. He didn't declare all authority over all things will one day be given to me. It has been given to him. And because he has, present tense, all authority and all power, go. Make disciples. Don't think the church just exists to entertain you, to feed you, to just huddle and do your own thing. We're all on mission together to go to our workplaces, to our families. We're all called to be that guy and that gal. Oh, do I really want Bob at this party? Because he's going to talk about Jesus. Be the type of Christian that everyone wants them at their party. <laughs> do I really want Sally at this party, at this event? Because she's going to talk about Jesus. Be that person that everyone wants to be around, even though you still talk about Jesus. Right? Because Jesus is having his way. See, the reality is, and I love how, how the author of the book, Discipleship on the Edge, how he put it in his very last chapter of the book, is he says these words. And these words, man, in my drug-induced, sleepy, COVID brain this past week, man, I read those words and I wept in my bed. And it's these words that he said in his book. He says, Jesus is inescapable. Jesus is inescapable. 
He's everything. He's the Alpha. He's the Omega. He's the first. He's the last. He's the beginning and the end. And we're seeing that Jesus is in the business of having his way with humanity. And as I was reflecting on that, just in my own life and just in the life of our church, is he's having his way with me. He's having his way with you. He's having his way with us. See, first he had to save me from my sin. And then he's, what he's been doing is he's spent ever since 1998, he's been changing me. But I liked me the way I was. I, I kind of liked me a lot the way I was. I liked my sin. I liked my pride. I liked my arrogance. I liked my lust. I liked my greed. But not to be religious and to just earn God's love. Because of his love, he starts to have his way in us. And he changes us each and every day. He changes us. Each and every day, he deals with our lust. He deals with our greed. He deals with our pride. He deals with our arrogance. He deals with our bad attitudes. He deals about our gossip. He deals with all of these things. He's having his way. And then ultimately, he's going to return. And so he has his way now, fully, but not yet. There's a time coming where it will be made complete because Jesus is inescapable. His will is being done on earth as it's being done in heaven. And then finally, about this time being near, this time being near, it's for all of creation to realize its destiny. All of creation to realize its destiny. I had to study this because honestly, I didn't know what this word meant. And I'm really glad I did. Uh, In Revelations chapter 22, Here in verse 16, these are the last words that Jesus declares about himself. All throughout the Bible, Jesus gives himself titles. And these are his last titles. He says, I am the root and the offspring of David. And this is the last thing that Jesus declares about himself. And the bright morning star. What is a bright morning star? I have to look this up. I have to study this. I was like, how do I not know what this means? I should know this. And see, the bright morning, the morning star only appears when the night has reached its greatest degree of darkness. So at night, when the sky gets as dark as it's going to get, like it's getting darker, 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 darker. Now it's at its complete darkness, and then now it starts to become light. At that moment, there are stars that are revealed that can only be seen at the sky's darkest. That is the morning star. See, and what the morning star tells you is that the night is almost over. The night is almost over. As darkness was increasing and increasing and increasing and increasing. But now the bright morning star is visible. And now the darkness is going to slowly go away. And that's exactly what Jesus is doing in the world. His darkness was increasing and increasing and increasing. And then Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And the angels declared, holy is the Lord. For unto you a child has been born, a savior has come. 
And that all sin is now dealt with because the Messiah has been born. And then he lived a sinless life, pointing people to the truth of the kingdom of God being among them. He did sign upon sign upon sign, showing his divinity, showing the people who he is. And then sinful people like me wanted nothing to do with him. So they killed him. They executed him. And then three days later, he rose from the dead, showing the world that he is truly God. And that on that cross, when he died, all sin was dealt with. And creation at that moment has seen the bright morning star. That even though the world seems dark, it is getting brighter and brighter and brighter every day. I think we as Christians, we take too often, we take the posture that the world is getting darker and darker and darker. And it may look like that if you just read the newspaper and you just watch the news. But we need to open our eyes more to the amazing thing that God is doing all over the world. The gospel is advancing right now in countries that you would never imagine. Never imagine. I was reading articles about how like in countries like Iraq, the church is growing exponentially, being led by women in Muslim countries. That's going to mess up your fellowship theology big time on that one. Okay? It's the way God is moving and it's the way God is working. And it's amazing when you see it. We have to open our eyes that the darkness is actually diminishing because all of creation is approaching this destiny. Like Pastor Matt preached last week, when there'll be a new heaven and a new earth, we are moving towards this. The words of Jesus that he is making all things new because of the light of the bright morning star. That should encourage us. That should build us up. So, Three things I want to quickly wrap this series up with is what is the call on our lives then? If Jesus is near now, if revelation is not just simply some future thing that we don't need to worry about, if this is truly to encourage us today, how should this impact our lives? Three quick things. I want you to consider in your life and in the life of our church is the first is this. My encouragement to you as your pastor and as your friend is to resist the agenda of the night. You see all throughout the Bible, whenever the Bible talks about night and talks about darkness, it's symbolism for evil. It's symbolism for the ways of our spiritual enemy. And there are so many things in this world that are perfectly, perfectly designed by our spiritual enemy to distract us as the church. I think that's been one of my biggest passions over the last two years during this whole pandemic thing is we've become very, very, very distracted on on things that won't matter. See, if I believe Revelation 22 is, is real, and I do, if I believe one day Jesus really will return and set up his eternal kingdom, if I really believe that, and I do, if I really believe that there will be some people on this earth who will experience the lake of fire, 
and I do, then I'm just done with the distractions. I'm done. Like it's a waste of time. It's a waste of time. And all of us fall prey to the agenda of the night if we're not careful. So whatever that is in your life, pray about that. Ask God, talk about this in your life group. Ask your spouse, ask a friend, where am I distracted? Where do you see me giving in to the agenda of the night? Because the goal for each and every one of us should be this. And this is the second thing is that we should embrace the agenda of the day because it's getting brighter that Jesus is at work in your life, that Jesus is at work in the world. Jesus is at work in his bride, the church, our church, the church of Ottawa, church of Canada, the church around the world. Jesus is at work. So we should embrace the agenda of the day. I love how Paul puts this again in the book of Romans verses 13 to 14. He says this and do this understanding the present time. Yes, this is the world that you and I live in today. We're not the church of the second century. We're not the church of, you know, like, oh, I want to be like the the church of the book of Acts. You don't live in the Middle East in that time period. You live in Canada, 2022. Let's be the church today. But understand this present time. It says the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. If you became a Christian 30 years ago, Jesus' time of being near is closer today than it was 30 years ago. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So what do we do? The agenda of the day is this. Let's put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in the carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension, not in jealousy. Rather, close yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Let's live like men, women, boys, and girls that have embraced the agenda of the day. And then finally, as men, women, boys, and girls that are doing that, we're resisting the agenda of the night, we're embracing the agenda of the day, then let's do this. Point three, it's let's enter the darkness of night with the light of day. See, God has a call on your life and God has called you to follow him and he sends you exactly where God has placed you. Whether it's your school, whether it's your family, whether it's your place of work, whatever your community where you live, you've been called into that, into that world to bring light These are the words of Jesus that the Apostle John records in his gospel in chapter 17, verses 4 and 19. It says, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. It's like, oh, man, it's Kevin again. He's that guy. Yeah, they're going to hate you. For they're not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them, I sanctified myself that they too may be truly sanctified. See, as we resist the agenda of the night, as we embrace the agenda of the day, we get equipped, we get built up, and we get sent out. We go. Because Jesus is near 
Jesus is near. And because he is near, we bring light. We bring joy. We bring peace. We bring reconciliation everywhere that we go. We bring the message that I heard when I was reading this Bible for myself in 1998. And I heard that God so loved me that he sent his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but will have everlasting life. Because the son of God did not come into the world to condemn the world because the world was already condemned. You see, I didn't need, in 1998, I didn't need the church to tell me how much I sucked. Because I already knew it. Even though I liked my sin, and I enjoyed it, I just knew in the core of my being, it was wrong. And I didn't need, I didn't need anybody to tell me that. Because deep down in my heart, I already knew I was condemned. And instead of condemnation from the church, what I heard was, Jesus loves you. (laughs) And you can be set free from all of these sins that are weighing you down because Jesus is near. (laughs) And I want you to know here in this room or church online, wherever you're joining us, that Jesus is near. (laughs) And you can turn to him today and welcoming him into your life and his power in your life by simply saying, Father, forgive me, a sinner. Come into my life and make me new. And if you pray that way today, a church online, a little pop-up shows up. Please click that. Let us know that you've prayed that. If you prayed that here in the room today, come and tell me after the service. I want to rejoice and celebrate with you. Because that's the mission. That's what Revelation should encourage us to be doing. Is to telling more and more and more people. That the time is soon. And Jesus is near. Let's pray. Father God, I praise you for sending the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the root and the offspring of David, and the bright morning star. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are victorious over darkness. And even though we may think Things are darker and bleaker. Lord, open our eyes to your light. Show us, even in our own lives, how things are actually better because of the work that you're doing in our lives. Show us how life is better just because of your presence in our lives and in our home. And if that's all we have, we're rich and we're blessed that you are with us. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would bring encouragement to everyone here today. I pray that you would build up your church for your glory as we worship the King of Kings, because Jesus is near. Let's continue to worship him.